Welcome to the New Visionary Podcast, where you will hear conversations with artists and creative entrepreneurs from around the globe. From art and creativity to education and business, this podcast features discussions with some of the most inspirational visionaries in today's art world. I'm your host, Victoria J. Fry, and I can't wait to get started. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the New Visionary Podcast. I'm your host, Victoria, and I am so pumped for today's episode. We are going to be chatting with Sergio Gomez, who is a wonderful artist, curator, author, and artist coach based in Chicago. So join us today as we jump in. Hi, Sergio. Hi, Victoria. Good to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm super pumped, super excited to be chatting with you. It's going to be awesome. Thank you. I can't wait. And I'm so just looking forward to diving in, learning more about you and sharing your journey and your work with our listeners today. So we're going to start by taking it way back. Tell us a little bit about how you, you know, how your creative journey began. Were you always making art? Tell us a little bit about the beginning. Yeah, that's a good question. So, you know, when I look back at when I started, so first of all, I grew up in Mexico. I was born in Mexico in the city of Puebla, which is about two hours from Mexico City. But uh, my parents then moved back to Mexico City, so I grew up there. And uh, Mexico City is huge. It's a big city. It's one of the biggest cities in the world. Um, so there was always art around me. There was color, music. You know, it's a very lively place. But however, I always say this, I never met a living artist in Mexico, you know, I just wasn't in that circle, you know, in the art circle. So although my parents, my dad loved art, my mom was a piano teacher, uh, I was never in the visual art circle. However, as a little kid, I always liked to draw. I always loved drawing and making little pictures. And my dad was a church pastor, a church minister. So when I was really young, you know, they would take me to church just about all the time. I had no or no other option. And uh, so my mom, to keep me quiet, she would give me like uh, note cards and a pen every time. So I would just spend hours just drawing, you know, uh, while they were in meetings and stuff. I was just drawing and drawing. And then I had an aunt who really liked my drawings and she would collect the drawings. So she would like take me to an ice cream uh, and then I would give her, you know, some of the drawings. So she was like my first collector, even though I didn't know what that was back then. Uh, which was kind of fun now looking back into it, I never thought of it. But uh, I never really thought about becoming an artist. Uh, when somebody asked me, you know, when I was a, young, a kid, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I would say, well, I, I want to be an architect because I thought, you know, architecture was kind of like, you know, the, the thing closest to being creative with my hands and visually. And, and that was it. Uh, all the art I saw in Mexico were by, you know, the, the big uh, the big Siqueiros, Rivera, you know, uh, who were you know, very well known, but they were already gone. And that's all the art, you know, that I thought in my mind, you, you know, you, you, you had to be dead in order to make it as an artist. So it wasn't until I came to Chicago in 1988 when my parents moved over here and uh, due to my dad's job. So we came here and I went to high school and I remember, you know, I came like at the end of the school year. So it was like really bad time to move to a new place where you don't speak English, you don't speak the language. And so they threw me in classes and, uh, you know, they signed me up in one art class and I was like, yes, you know, at least there's something I could do. So I spent a lot of time drawing there and uh, that took notice of my teacher, uh, Mr. Larson, who said, you know what, Sergio, um, it seems like you have uh, like talent for art. Have you considered an art career? You know, and when I became a senior the year after, I'm like, no, you know, I never thought about that. I thought about maybe 
graphic design or architecture or something like that. No, you could actually study that. I said, okay, <laughs> if you said so. Uh, so I told my parents, you know, the typical question, like, so what did you want to do after high school? Where do you want to go? And like, well, I want to study to be an artist. And they were like, what? And what are you going to do with that? I have no clue, right? I had no idea. I'm sure something will come out. You know, when I would make uh, pictures at school and things, you know, my mom would put them in the house and things like that. So, you know, she imagined for me being an artist, like making beautiful pictures to put them on the wall and, you know, with some really nice colors, that's a good <laughs> collecting the house. Um, so, you know, they, they uh, I mean, we were immigrants, right? We had no, no idea. We were thinking of, okay, what's the usefulness of that in a world where we are foreigners and we are trying to move around and move ahead, you know, how does that fit in? And I had no answer for that. However, they were very supportive and I said, okay, that's what you want to do, just go for it. So I, I went to a community college first and um, because first of all, I didn't, I couldn't apply to big university. I didn't know how first. Uh, my SAT scores were low, as you can imagine, you know, from English being my second language. And um, my high school teacher, he said, you know what? Uh, I know the professors at the community college here, why don't you, you know, go there and I'll recommend you. So I did. And well, you know, that was like the first time that art really opened my eyes. I remember, you know, getting to my first college class and sitting down and um, next to me in my drawing class was another guy also who had come from Mexico much earlier than me. So he already spoke English very well. His name is Javier. And we became good friends, you know, all through our career. And even now we're still good friends. But uh, I remember sitting in that class and like, wow, this is this is exciting. This is amazing, you know. And uh, it, just that excitement never left. Uh, I loved it. I enjoyed it. Um, went to our school after that. Went to school at the, the School of the Arts of Chicago. Then took a year off. Um, went to Governor State, which is another local university. And then I finally got my Master of Fine Arts from Northern Illinois University. So that's kind of like how it all started and how it all evolved to become an artist, you know, um, from not knowing, you know, that uh, that actually that could be possible and op an option, you know. I think today most kids, they know that that's possible. But back then, you know, living with, uh, in Mexico, I had no clue. Like, I don't know. That, that's yes. No, that's, <laughs> a, that's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I can't even imagine, you know, coming to this country with, with a language barrier. I mean, I'm also not originally from this country, but there wasn't a language barrier, you know? Um, and, and I can imagine that visual art kind of became your language through which you expressed yourself, exactly. which is such a beautiful thing. When you think back to those years as a young artist in your teens, and you started to really immerse yourself in art, were you, in terms of your style, were you kind of just trying everything, exposing yourself to different uh, techniques and subject matter, or did you kind of know your style and what you wanted to focus on early on? Like, how did that evolve? No, of course not. You know, I, I think, you know, when you go to art school, it's like throwing darts, right? And trying yeah. to hit a target that you don't know where it's at, that you're just moving. So you try everything and that yeah. is fine. You know, I think sometimes today we have the pressure of emerging artists have the pressure. I got to know my style right away. Yeah. And you will never discover your style until you actually screw up a lot of things and you try some things and some will work, some will not. And that's the process of learning. It cannot be escaped. In order to arrive there, you know, you got to try things. So I tried a lot of things, you know, from painting, drawing, oil. Uh, I even tried when I went to school, I tried even neon, you know, like making yes. neon art. So I did some of that and uh, took some fun classes like that, jewelry making and all kinds of stuff, graphic design, which by the way, there were two things I loved. 
Yes. And that's kind of like started to direct me. I love the technology of working with the computer. So I love design, graphic design, all those things. And I love painting. You know, those kind of like the two biggest forces uh, within me. So it was kind of funny because when I went to art school, some days I was in the fine art department, you know, making paintings. And then other days I was in the graphic design department. And, and typically, at least back then, now no more as much, but back then there was almost like a a big, a, a big, uh, like they would not get along. You know, the painters would say, oh, no, you're the graphic designer, you know, they're, they're too neat. And then the, the graphic designers, well, the painters are too messy. So I lived in this kind of like <laughs> distance between the two worlds, but I enjoy that. You know, I really enjoy being able to one day go in one place and work with straight lines and geometry and the other day, just work with drips and splashes and things of that nature. And I think that kind of formed me also in terms of when you look at my style that you can see a little bit of those, you can see the structure that comes from that back, uh, graphic design, understanding and background. And, all this, and then the, the expressive qualities of, of applying paint and the materiality and, and surface. So I, I started working uh, you know, on different things, uh, but kind of those things were always present. I think it was pretty much until I was doing my master's that I started to arrive into something that I would call, okay, this is the beginning of my style. And that was working with the figure. I started to trace myself. I always like to work large. So I started to trace myself uh, against the canvas and then using that figure as a way of departure, not to make it a portrait, but just a presence. I really, really quickly, that looked like a figure that it was uh, of my size, of actual size. And... That's kind of what started to create this uh, this figurative work, also with abstract elements. So you know, figurative abstraction for me, kind of that was my starting point. In terms of of how it looked like, I wasn't still sure what it was or what I wanted to say with it. That even took further more years of development and trying and testing and, and really thinking about it. Of what does this mean? What do I want to say? You know, where, where's my direction? Um, and, but it was. Really, uh, there's one point specifically in my career, 21 years ago, actually, it's going to be in September, where um, my son was born, my my first uh, kid, so was born. And uh, that day, I, I totally changed my life, you know, not only as a person, but as an artist. I'm like, wow, you know, I'm witnessing the beginning of, of a life, you know, a life form that wasn't here yesterday. Now it's here. I see it. And um, I want to dedicate my work uh, as an artist in this pursuit to understand the cycles of life, because I'm going to be witness to this person growing and moving along the way and my own journey as getting old and my parents, you know, getting old. So kind of like I was in the middle, we're always in the middle, you know, of, of generations, right? Those who came uh, before us and those who are coming after us. So I wanted to document, you know, that understanding of the cycles of life from birth to death and kind of our spiritual awareness throughout those cycles. So that, that's still to this day, that's kind of what I try to do and try to accomplish in my work. That's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing all of that. And I I totally agree. It, it takes so many years to kind of arrive at your style or figure out what it is you want to focus on. It is interesting, though, because sometimes there are portrait painters who you know recognize that even as a child or in their teen years, they were still drawn, they were always drawn to portraiture. And it sounds like for you, you know, the cycles of life and this idea of evolution and change and metamorphosis is something, is the concept that your work is rooted in. And then the abstract portraiture is kind of like how you explore, you know, that that's, 
the, the subject matter through which you explore that concept. Um, and it just reminded me too, I remember last year I was listening to a, a short video you recorded where you were talking about the cycles of life and it actually sparked the idea for the virtual exhibit that we facilitated last year called Metamorphosis, the Art of Transformation. So I just think it's such a beautiful thing and such an important thing to focus on in your work. How would you say your work has shifted and evolved since you received your master's degree? Well, it has changed a lot. You know, it has changed, you know, in many ways, even though, you know, if you look at the work from my grad school to even what I'm doing now, uh, some 20 years later, I don't know. Uh, and, you know, there are aspects who are, that still remain, the figure still remains, you know, this kind of like ghost-like presence still remains. Uh, some of the, you know, geometric lines that I usually start at work still remains. But I think it evolves in, in, as we mature as individuals, uh, we have to mature and or work matures along the way. And so something that changed, for example, over the years I have, you know, within the concept of what I like to create, uh, I also become aware of certain issues that I want to speak about through my work that are close to my heart, one of them immigration. So I have taken like, you know, time and to also do works that have social impact in some in some way. So because I think it's still part of the life experience, part of the cycles of life, right? And and you talk about transformation and immigration is one of those things that transforms you, change you. So I've done, you know, many works uh, on that subject, exploring what's happening at the border, Mexico-US border, and, um, you know, the, the immigrant experience uh, as something that I've taken, taken to heart. And so that is, those are some of the aspects where I now, as a more mature artist, I feel more confident speaking about than when I was, you know, evolving as an emerging artist, trying different things, you know, you're trying to create your own style, your own vision of what you want to do and say, and, and something that people will recognize and say, that's a Sergio Gomez artwork. Um, but then you, once you have that and you kind of understand what that is, like, okay, now, now what else, you know, how, what in my position, what can I speak about? right, or what's happening in the world. And that's kind of some of the things that I have done uh, with it. And then also something that I did recently last year, actually uh, after the pandemic, uh, you know, that, the pandemic I think changed all of us. And I did something that I had never done, which was like, I'm going to do a body of work that is totally non-figurative, pure abstraction, and I'm going to take the risk and see what happens, you know. I've been an artist long enough. I think I can do this and I'm just going to do it. And <laughs> if it works, it works. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work, right? Uh, you know, I live with the consequences. So I did, you know, I did a, a series of, I think we're uh, 12 paintings, all squared, square canvas, you know, which I've never worked with square format. So I, I really challenged myself to do everything different. And it was fun, you know, it was quite interesting. And um, speaking of that, now I, I'm going back to the figure. <laughs> it was a nice little pause and break, but I think like, you know, what calls me back is is the figure, you know. <laughs> and I think it's so important, though, to continue, even when we find our style, to continue to give ourselves permission to explore and experiment. It's so important because through that, you know, like you said, you did that and I'm sure you really enjoyed it and learned a lot from that process. And now you're feeling called back to the figure and who knows what next year will bring. But I wanted to ask you, what advice would you give? I have two questions for you. <laughs> what advice would you give first 
to artists who are trying to develop a style or find their voice, but perhaps having difficulty or just trying to figure out how to do that. And the second question is kind of on the other side of that. What advice would you give to artists who have been, because I come across both of these things a lot with artists that I work with. So what advice would you give to artists who have, you know, a very established voice and style and are feeling like they want to branch out, but perhaps feeling a little bit uh, nervous, you know, maybe they have a large collector base and, and they're represented by a gallery um, and they're nervous to branch out. So curious to hear your thoughts. Yes, I think that's a, that's a good one. And particularly, uh, well, let's start with the first one. Let's start with the first one of uh, the easy one, right? <laughs> you know, as an emerging artist, you know, where do you start? You start by spending ungodly amounts of hours in the studio. You know, that's where it all happens. You can think what you might want to do. You can dream what you might want to do. You can talk about what you might want to do until you get your hands dirty and go in the studio and work. All that's just going to be talk. So it's uh, spending a lot of time, a lot of time, not pushing yourself into, I'm trying to find my style. I think that in an unconscious way, it will come. I think you are, you go in the studio asking deeper questions, you know, as far as, you know, what am I trying to resolve with this particular work? What is it challenging me to to do? You know, what are the things that, that give me a hard time? What are the things that give me a, a, that come out easy for me? And then, you know, approaching it uh, and talking to other people who can give you feedback on the work. And the more you make, uh, and it's okay when you're an emerging artist to do different things. I think today, particularly because of social media, we are, unfortunately, artists, or emerging have this big pressure that they need to have a, their style right away. And that's really creating a disservice to emerging artists who need the time to figure that out, to see what makes sense for them. So I think when you start approaching something that uh, calls you, you'll know it. You know, and nobody else will see it, but you will see it. You will know it. It will feel good in the inside. It will, or it will have this thing that you go to bed and you can stop thinking about the artwork that you want to get up next day in the morning and get to it. You know, you can, you, when you cannot stop thinking about it, you know that you're getting into something, you know, when you can like get it out of your head and you're talking to somebody and your brain is like somewhere else in the studio trying to finish that out. And then you're like, what, what did you say? <laughs> you know, that's when you know, you know, you're getting into something. And when that happens, you really got to push it, push it, push it. And I think eventually it will happen. You know, you, you will find, that which calls you, that which uh, which uh, you can say, this is something that I'm enjoying. And it might, you know, look like somebody else's. You know, we live in a world in which I see a lot of artists who send me sometimes an image to the gallery. Hey, so, you know, I think I have something unique. And then I see it like, well, I'm sorry to break your heart, but I've seen that something similar before somewhere else. You know, it is hard to come out with something that is nobody has ever seen. And I think, you know, when you have seen too much art, I think you'll figure out that it is hard to come up with something you have never seen. And, and it's not the idea of coming with a style that nobody has ever seen, because I think everybody has seen everything and, and we just keep borrowing from each other. But it's just, how would I say something that has already been said uh, through my filter of experiences, ideas, through my touch as an artist, how would I say it, you know, in my own words without trying to be somebody else? And I think, you know, I think that's kind of how, how it happens. It's like the way I talk to emerging artists a lot is like, uh, you know, you are in my house, we have two kids. And if one right now was to scream or call my name, I know exactly which one it is, right? Because I can recognize that voice, even though, uh, you know, they're both teenagers. So 
it's kind of like in the same, you know, there will be others who have a similar voice or that will have a similar sensibility that you have, but there's only one person who will have that set of filters in order to create something which is you. So that that's on the first question. Hopefully that's a, that's a good one. And then on the second one, you know, for an artist who may have come to, it happens a lot in the, in the uh, mid-career stage of being an artist, you know, it's your emerging artist, you go to that and you're in mid-career and then, uh, you know, established mature artists. So in the mid-career, you, you will face a lot of uh, questioning of, am I doing the right thing? You know, am, am I, am I in the right path? You know, should I change? Should I go in that direction? What if, you know, the what if, so of questioning yourself, I think it comes in the, in human nature, you know, as we mature and as you get to a certain age, sometimes you, you kind of, uh, begin to wonder more, Hmm, you know, what am I doing with my life? Right. <laughs> you know, where am I going? So, um, I think it happens to us as artists too. And I think it's the same thing. I think as artists, we need to have the freedom to create what we create, what we want to create, you know, having that freedom. However, as you mentioned, you know, sometimes you're already working with galleries, you may already have a collector base and so on. So I always say to artists, you know, if you have a gallery that works with you, uh, don't show up one day with, Hey, here's all the new paintings that, uh, I just changed my style completely. And like, what, you know, uh, showing up to your next show, you know, always be in conversations with those who you're working with, uh, Hey, heads up, I'm working on some new ideas, just kind of what's coming. And that's what I did, you know, when I also did my, uh, my abstract series. And, uh, you, you may find some people who would support you. So you may find others who will say, I'm not sure, or you shouldn't. Sometimes the galleries, I mean, I'm a gallery. Sometimes the gallery system will tell you, well, don't change. This is selling. Why would you want to change it? Uh, and of course, you know, if, if the gallery is selling what you're making, why would you change? That means I, I don't know if I'll be able to sell it. Right. So there, there are consequences to all our actions, but if in the heart, in the inside, you know, that you must change, that you have this desire, this drive, that just like before, doesn't let you sleep at night wondering what it would be like if I changed my style, uh, then you gotta do it. You gotta you gotta see how you can make it work, which for some artists might be going all for it. Like that's what I did. Or saying, you know what? I'm gonna start something side uh, from what I'm doing so I can com- you know, uh, be truthful to my commitments that I have with my body of work and everything but I'm going to start on the side this other thing just to explore, to get that out of my chest and see if this is something that potentially, you know, has me that I can, that I can follow, you know? That's such amazing advice. Thank you so much. And everything you said makes so much sense because I think that when you are an emerging artist, it is really important to embrace the exploratory stage of the creative process without putting so much pressure on yourself right off the bat to have a cohesive body of work. And I really love what you said about how, you know, the question isn't necessarily how do I find my voice? It's asking yourself deeper questions like that really hit home for me. You know, what is calling to me? What am I truly excited about? And like, what kind of work feels aligned to me? And then your style is born out of that versus trying to find it. Um, And yeah, I think that's also great advice for artists, especially those who are in the gallery world, because I've also had friends in the past who were represented by galleries or just super successful and, you know, were feeling hesitation about trying something new. But I think you're right. Like at the end of the day, if you feel that call, you just have to listen and you don't have to go full force right off the bat. You can have those preliminary conversations and 
um, and kind of do it alongside your more established body of work. Um, but I wanted to ask you too, uh, because you are also a gallery director. So I wanted to yeah. segue a little bit into that. <laughs> um, tell us how that started. How did you, I mean, I know a little bit just from having spoken with you in the past, yeah. but I'm sure our audience would love to know how that came to be. Yeah, that's a great question. So yeah, you know, I don't know. I think it started in college. I've always been entrepreneurial by nature. You know, at school, I used to make like on the notepad, I would draw like a little road and then I would take the eraser, cut it into a little card and then sell it to my friends as a game. You know, so I always had that kind of thing. You know, when I went to to uh, started college, I, you know, did my first business cards with a fake name, you know, for a design business, which I didn't even know how to do. So, you know, I always kind of had that in mind. So, but when my friends in college, you know, were thinking about how do I get into an, into a gallery, I was thinking, how do I start a gallery? And I think that was the difference. You know, I never thought, how do I get in? Or how do I make my own? You know, how do I create a gallery uh, that creates opportunities for me and for others? So that was kind of the the, the thing. So when I went to um, uh, to school and I finished and uh, that's like, okay, now I have time. Now I can do it, right? Um, by then I, I had just gotten married. So my wife was in full support. So yeah, let's do it. Why not? You know, now or never. So uh but there were some big obstacles. Uh, I had no money. I did not know anything about business. I never took a business class I should have. I never did because I never <laughs> never thought that you needed one. Um, you know, I didn't have collector friends or I didn't have rich friends. You know, my parents had no network of influencers. Uh, there was no such thing. You know, we were, we would just have what we had and that's about it. But uh, I've always thought that there's, you know, there's never obstacles uh, that that prevent you from from trying to find, you know, a solution. So I've always enjoyed the challenge and like, okay, what's, what can I do? The only thing I have is friends, you know, from college. They don't have money that as broke as I am. So, but I called three of my friends and say, hey guys, you know, do you guys want to start a gallery with me? Let's start a co-op, you know, a, a cooperative uh, space that we can maybe put our studios. We were looking for a studio space, put our studios. And then on the side, have a little gallery that we can show our work and some of our friends. And they say, yeah, let's do it. So. That's how it started. I called another friend who had gone uh, to art school. She was more in the art business. And she had gone for that, for art history and uh, um, curation and management. And she said, hey, Ruth, her name is Ruth, Ruth Sarkovich. She said, hey, Ruth, you know, I, I want to open a gallery. I have no money. I have no experience. I have no idea where to start. I haven't saved any money <laughs> to start a business. Uh, advice, please. She's like, well, you know, um, there's this building uh, here in, in Chicago that was purchased by these two Chinese artists, the Joe brothers, who uh, were like really going fast in their art career and, and becoming very successful around the world. So they, they just purchased this massive 80,000 square foot building and they want to do an, an, an art center. But right now, it's, you know, they just got it. So nobody is there. Why don't you give them a call? See if, uh, you know, see if they're accepting artists to move in. Like, okay. So she gave me the number. I was so nervous. Like, you know, I had seen them in the magazine and stuff like you know, I, I, they're not gonna pick up my phone. You know, I'm on my call. Back then, there was no no internet. You know, I, well, there was internet, but no email, no social media or things like that. It was just basic email. Like they they, they have no idea. Uh, and I called, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do it. So I call, I make the phone call, and uh, one of them picks up the phone and says, hey, you know, I'm an art, I'm, uh, we just graduated. My friends and I want to open an art gallery. We need some studio space. Uh, my friend Ruth here um, said that you guys are, you know, you opened this building can we come and see it? And then she's like, yes, of course, come and see it. So we went to see it and uh, I drink the Kool-Aid, you know, uh, they, 
they say what they wanted to build. I said, well, this is, I think, the place where I want to start my own thing too. And uh, we signed on the lease and uh, we rented, you know, one of the very first spaces that they had available. We helped build the walls of that first space. And then after that, it's like, okay, how do we get it going? Because nobody knows who we are, you know, and uh, again, we, we don't have rich friends or anything like that. But we have art that we make and we have a little space that we that we can give it a gallery name. So the first thing we're like, okay, how are we going to call this thing? So we had meetings, you know, the four of us and throw names at each other and none of them was working. So like, okay, let's come. Let, one, one of the meetings, I think one of us says, I think we are all 33 years old. And so we call it 33 Collective, which back then, you know, was a collective, kind of a co-op space. We would just all chip in to, to make the show. So uh, that's how it started, you know, and then it evolved over the years. Uh, the five years later or so, um, the collective then um, I continued to grow. And now we were inviting artists from other places to come in. We had run out of friends that we knew <laughs> who made art. And then from there, um, you know, we started, you know, just keep inviting people doing shows every month and people keep coming and coming in bigger numbers. The art center began to grow as well. And then what happened is eventually as the gallery grew as well, um, uh, I uh, rebranded the gallery. My friends, you know, uh, they, they, uh, well, you know, they were artists, you know, they, they didn't have the same entrepreneurial sp uh, spirit that I had. So we said, you know, that is fine. I, I want to continue running the gallery, you know, because as bigger, the bigger it gets, it becomes more of a burden of, taxes, you know, business goals, all these other things that uh, are not fun anymore. So um, we, uh, we, in a friendly way, say, okay, let's, let's close the collective. And then I rebranded it, reopened it as 33 Contemporary Gallery. And that's how it's been since now uh, for, for a number of years. We, we established in 2004 and as a contemporary, I can't remember exactly, but uh, it's been, uh, it's been more than 10 years now since it's been a 33 Contemporary Gallery. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness, that is incredible and just so inspiring to hear your story about how, you know, I feel like it was truly a grassroots effort because you didn't have the connections and all the money and all the friends in high places, but you mm -hmm. truly built it from the ground up and you had yeah. a vision for what it could be. And that is amazing. I wanted to ask you, what advice would you give to an artist who is wanting to work with a gallery and perhaps you know, they have a handful of galleries in mind, but they haven't reached out or, you know, made that connection. What advice would you give to them in terms of just breaking into the gallery world? Yeah. And uh, that's, uh, that's, that's always hard, right? It's hard for everybody because uh, uh, we wish there were more galleries. Uh, and especially after the pandemic, so many galleries closed down that, you know, if, if it was hard, I, I say my friends, you know, if it was hard before the pandemic, now it's even harder because there are less number of galleries out there. So, you know, I'm I'm inspired by seeing um, you know younger younger uh, curators and artists opening up new spaces and coming up with also alternative ideas of what a gallery should look like. You know, it doesn't have to be the same old model that's been around forever, and that, that's inspiring. So, as for somebody who wants to connect or look into a gallery that you want to work with, I think uh, or today more than ever. You have to become a little bit part of their community in some way or fashion so that uh, you're not another outsider knocking into a door that they have no idea who you are. They get in, Every gallery gets inundated with emails, you know, from prospect artists or uh, calls and things like that. And it's hard to break in into that. Many galleries, you know, you go to their website and it will say, you know, the 
no submissions, uh, please do not email us. Or con- so like, okay, so how in the world do I, you know, uh, get in front of you? So, um, and I know it's hard. So I will always, uh, you know, give artists advice. Start, start in your circle where you are, look at where you are geographically, proximity. What are the places that you can actually go visit, galleries that you can actually in person go, attend openings, put it in your schedule. I know sometimes it's a hassle, but particularly you're an introvert, but just go, you know, just be present, show up, maybe be the first one to to come in to see the show and say hello. You don't have to uh, do anything weird. And then just do that as much as you can. And then, you know, one day you start talking to somebody who maybe eventually that person, you see that every on opening and and you start becoming a familiar face, right? And that's, that's kind of how things roll out too. Uh, and then in terms of galleries who are, that are not in your area, which is a lot of artists, you know, we want to also look at for uh, to, trying to do the same also in social media. You know, I'm not, th- not talking about go to the gallery that you like and then send them 20 pictures through Instagram Messenger. That doesn't work, you know. Um, it's weird. So, you know, just kind of be part of their community online, like comment on their posts, uh, you know, become a familiar face. And try to get an attention like that, you know, ask questions sometimes and things so things like that. I find that, uh, you know, when you are not intrusive, but you are friendly, you know, sometimes doors open up and it's okay. You know, there may be a gallery that you really like and you're doing all the right things and the gallery is going to say, you know what, thanks, but not, you know, no, is this, you're, you're not for us. That is fine. You know, you cannot force yourself into somebody else's uh, attention if, uh, if they say no, it, it, it's no, right? And sometimes at the same time, persistence, you know, persistence is important. You know, you send something to a gallery or uh, have an opportunity to present something to a gallery and they say no now, well, it doesn't mean that they hate you or whatever, you know, you can still continue that and maybe uh, next body of work next year, hey, I have a new body of work, you know, would you like to take a look? You know, so those are kind of like the things that that, that work today. Uh, and if you email them, don't expect an answer right away. You know, I never thought, how difficult is to run a gallery until I had to run one myself. You know, uh, some days you're just you're just a pile of emails trying to get back at people, and or if you're preparing for an art fair or so, you know it's hectic. And you know, uh, so if you're an artist emailing a gallery or 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 things like that, you know, expect that it's gonna take time, you know, to to be received. And persistence, I think, is one of the biggest things. But I think today, when it comes to getting into a gallery or in the in the in front of a curator or gallerist is trying to be part of their circle in some way or fashion. And it takes time, you know, it's, it's not easy, but I think that's the only way right now because, because what, what other way, you know, here's a quick little story. You're really fast. Like when I, uh, when I started my gallery, like, well, nobody knows who I am. Nobody knows anything about me. So I started going to openings and I made the point like, okay, I'm going to be the first one to arrive take pictures of the show and put them in, uh, in, on Instagram, on Facebook. Back then, back then was Facebook. The Instagram was not around. And put them on Facebook and tag the gallery. So I started doing that. And, um, you know, I would go to an opening and take really nice pictures and then put them on Facebook and, you know, you know just free promo, you know, back then. And, um, you know, it was, it was the thing to do. And slowly, you know, some galleries started me even to send me their press releases so that I would stop by their opening, uh, you know, and, and, and cover the show. So that was, I thought that was really fun. You know, I, I was not affiliated to any magazine or like that. I would just be the guy who liked to go and share, you know, share with others what I was doing and, and share this awesome show that I just saw. Then I went to my blog and I started doing 
a series of um, five shows not to miss this weekend in Chicago. And I would just pick my favorite shows and then galleries notice, you know, oh, we were listed on Sergio's list, you know. Um, and that's that's kind of how things happen, right? You gotta you gotta figure things out uh, doing the work. If you want it easy, there's no easy, you know, unless you know somebody who's very powerful and who's gonna give you that meeting with the galleries. But other than that, you know, you you gotta you gotta hustle and <laughs> figure it out. That's just wonderful advice because I feel like it all comes, everything you're saying comes down to not being afraid to put yourself out there and think of a creative solution. You know, like I love what you said about just putting yourself in front of galleries or becoming part of the circle because it's true. Like even for VAC, the artists who are always commenting on our photos with really warm, friendly, supportive you recognize you know, their com- names, right? Oh, always. After, totally. Yeah. I feel like I've gotten to know some of them just because they give so much support and I keep them at the back. You know, then I go to their pages because I'm like, okay, who is this exactly. you know, friendly yeah. person? That- we are all curious. We are all curious people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then I might see their art and think, okay, maybe I can keep them in mind for an opportunity in the future. Like that really is how it starts. And Um, I love what you said too about like going to the galleries and tagging them and just thinking of innovative ways to stand out. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's so awesome. And so I want to segue just a little bit because in addition to being an artist and a gallery director, you also do such amazing, powerful work with artists. And I know that you have shaped and really changed the lives of so many artists around the world. So I wanted to ask you a little bit, because I feel like everything you do is so connected. Um, how did the artist uh, mentoring and artist coaching come to be? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, when that uh, happened, let me see. Uh, well, it actually happened because of the gallery, you know, because we were doing something that, uh, you know, artists had interest on and so on. And, um, you know, artists started to come and just talk. And as they would talk, you know, they would have questions and we would talk about those things. And so, um, I don't know, I, I, there's something I always love, which is I've always loved to, to help, to, to be helpful in some way, right? So I'm like, okay, well, somebody has this, this question, this problem, let's see what, how we can figure it out. And um, as more of that happened, uh, you know, I thought, well, what, what can what can I do? You know, what can I do to help? And the first thing that kind of happened was the podcast. I'm like, okay, well, maybe I'll start a podcast. Well, I I'll interview uh, other people, you know, the curators, the gallery owners, and things like that. Not much of my own opinion. At first, just kind of interviewing people and um, and see what happens. So I I started interviewing, you know, artists, curators, and so on, in order to share with my community as well. And uh, well, that was pretty interesting because. Um, the, uh, the response was really good. You know, artists become, started to like say, Hey, so you know, that was really helpful episode, something, something really helped me to do this and that. And like, Oh, okay, that is good. You know, that, that's a, that's a good, uh, insight. And so that then from there grew, grew to other things where, you know, I started to get invited to speak in, um, for groups of artists or, you know, events like that, you know, just to talk about the art, art career and things like that. I've always been good also with social media, which is something that always attracted people. And probably because of my marketing background, I didn't mention this, but also when I graduated in order to make ends meet at the beginning, I had to work in a marketing job. So I worked in marketing for uh, for about maybe uh, eight years or so. 
um, and so I really understood and I really, I really enjoyed it. So people would invite me to speak about those things. And I think that's kind of started the next logical step was like, okay, how can we help more people? And started coaching artists one-on-one and okay, that was not enough. How can we help more, more artists? And uh, so that led the way to uh, starting the Art Next Level Academy with my wife. Um, so she's a doctor in psychology and we thought, well, maybe let's combine something that also brings in the psychological aspect of being an artist. We all need it. I need it as an artist myself. And she has been very helpful. So why don't we do something where, you know, we can create a community, bring artists together, uh, help each other out. And uh, and yeah, and so that has continued to evolve. And that has evolved also in both of us writing a book and, uh, and you know, more things. Always, I think, you don't know what you're starting. Sometimes you may have an idea of what you may one, but that the idea thing in my mind just gives you direction. I never look at, okay, I must accomplish that hundred percent because by the time I get it, I may have better ideas of what it's going to be. And that both for my gallery and for my businesses, everything that I do, you know, I think, I think, uh, I like to think of things organically evolving. And so the next level has been organically evolving over time. Then uh, when the social media started to go all for videos and like, okay, I got to do something with video. And that's why I started Breakfast with Sergio and that also opened up a lot of opportunities and things like that. So yeah, you know, I, I think it's just my my desire of of being helpful and uh, and just share what I know and work with a abundant mindset, you know, versus uh, one of uh, of uh, restrictions or or one of like, oh, what I know is mine, and you better work hard to get what I am, <laughs> you know. No, I think. Like you are always sharing things. I mean, I you're popping up on my Instagram all the time and you're always sharing helpful Sorry tips about that. and tools. <laughs> no, it's wonderful. It's wonderful because you are so accessible for artists. And I think, you know, because you make yourself so visible and you're so willing to always share your knowledge with artists freely, you establish this level of trust. And then through your Artist Next Level Academy, you know, you just continue to kind of build upon those things that you're teaching in your videos. Um, I want to, I'm so glad you mentioned the book because that was a question I did not want to forget to ask you today (laughs) because that's such a big thing that has happened recently for you and your wife. Tell us about the book and, you know, what gave you the idea? I want to hear all about it. (laughs) Yeah. So the book is called Cross Self-Sabotage and Live Fully. The Wellness Journey to Confidence and Success. And what that's all about is that, you know, um, we we realize that we all experience mindset blocks, right? Uh, talking to artists who have been established, who have been making art much more longer than I am, you know, who are, you know, uh, at, at a peak of their careers. We all have that moment you walk in the studio and like, I love this. And then you walk in the next day, I hate this, right? Or uh, you know, you put a piece of content. I love it. Next tomorrow you'll see it. Oh, why did I do this? You know, <laughs> why did I say this? You know, we have all these things and self-judgment and mindset blocks of, uh, you know, I- I'm not going to send this email because I know they're going to say no. Right. Or I'm not going to approach this or, or go for this because I know I already imagined the outcome and the outcome is going to be a negative one. So why doing it? So it's kind of our self-protector, you know, trying to spare us from disappointment. So in the book, uh, the way we wrote it is like my wife, Dr. Ina, she, she is eight, eight chapters. So the way we did it is like, if we are sitting down on a, you know, on a coffee shop and she gives us, you know, us artists, you know, she gives us a lesson on something that can help us deal with our inner critic. You know, how do we approach our inner critic? How do we listen to our inner critic? We cannot, uh, 
ignore the inner critic. And it's in the other way around is how do we process the inner critic, work along with the inner critic so we can work together versus against each other. So she presents that. And then the second chapter of the book, I mean, the second part of each chapter is my, what is called Sergio's take. When I'm like, hmm, okay, so you said about this. So here's how I see as a, as a practicing artist. You know, here's how, here are some of the examples, how it has worked in my life and some of my downfalls and what are the things I'm struggling with and how this helps me out. And then the third part of each chapter is for the reader to say, okay, I saw what I read, Dr. Nina, I read Sergio's take, now it's my turn. So there are diving deeper questions that uh, the reader will have to sit down to answer and to work at and to try to figure out you know, uh, you know how these things can work for them, and it's been really fun. You know, the feedback has been amazing. I, we, yesterday, we just got an email from an artist who went to my website and says, "Hey, Sergio, I'm only in chapter two, and I'm already, I'm already, uh, you know, making progress. I feel I was stuck for the last two months. I'm already making progress, and I'm just in chapter two. So, you know, that that kind of uh, those are the the really nice stories that people take time to to share. That like, well, you know, I think I think we hit on on something that. Uh, that we all struggle with, no matter if you are emerging or if you are super established. You know, we all have those moments, and uh, sometimes we ignore them, and sometimes, most of the time, we don't. You know, we don't uh, want to uh, admit it, but we all have them. That's so wonderful, and because I think you know what you said about the book relating not just to emerging artists, but really relating to artists of all career levels. I mean, yeah. who does not have? We all have inner critics, no matter if we are emerging or established, like that voice is always there. And it sounds like your book, um, which I'm so excited to dive into myself, gives really practical tools and strategies mm -hmm. as well, mm -hmm. which is so useful in terms of, because I think we hear so much talk about, you know, and the inner critic. And I don't think there's always like, at least in my experience, really practical, concrete tools in terms of how to actually work with mm -hmm. it. And I think sometimes we also feel like we need to completely shut down the inner mm -hmm. critic, but it sounds mm -hmm. like what you're saying is not shut down the inner critic, but figure out how to work with the inner exactly. critic because it's always going to be there, but there's an effective way to work with that inner voice. So mm -hmm. yeah, that that's, that's exactly, you said it, you're right. Yeah, that's, that's exactly how it is. And, and, um, the inner critic will always be your companion in the studio, particularly yeah. because we are, uh, you know, creating art in uh, solitude, the only yeah. voice there is our own head. So yeah. we tend to, more than I think, more than in other professions, we we tend to be very uh, aware of the inner critic because it's there. <laughs> it walks with us in yeah. the studio, gets out of the studio when we get out too. <laughs> I know. I was just thinking when you said that as artists, we probably spend more time with our inner critic than most other people. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, especially if we're in the studio a lot. Um, but Sergio, you are just doing such amazing things for the art community. And, you know, I want to start to wrap up this conversation by asking, first of all, thanking you so much for joining today, oh, because it is day. always such a pleasure to talk with you. I always feel so inspired after our conversations, always. And I wanted to ask you, I will include all of your information in the notes, but just for our listeners, where can we find out more information about your book, The Artist Next Level Academy, um, and more about your gallery and also your work as an artist? Mm -hmm. So the best place to go to is my Instagram, 
at Sergio Gomez Art. That's what I, I consider the hub of information for everything I do. My art, the so other things have their own pages, but that's like where everything lands. So if you want to know everything that I do, just go to Sergio Gomez Art. And of course, you can find me in all the, all the social medias as well. Uh, to find my work in the studio, go to sergiogomezonline.com to find our coaching program, theartistnextlevel.com. But again, on Instagram link, you'll find everything that is the easiest way. And Victoria, I want to say, you know, thank you so much. You're doing an amazing job too. You know, uh, I see everything that you guys are doing. I follow closely with you guys. Uh, it's really, really fun to see the the projects that you are doing and, you know, the magazine and all that, you know. I often uh, see the things that you guys are doing, like, hey, I know that artist. Hey, I know that artist. And like, oh, I don't know that one, but I want to know that artist. So you've been also a catalyst for us to find artists that, you know, we can connect with. And that's amazing. You know, you're giving a platform to many artists in many ways. And uh, I think you're just getting started. I think amazing things are around the corner along the way. And uh, you'll be uh, surprising us all with all those things. Oh, thank you so much, Sergio. That means so much coming from you. And I also just want to thank you so much for curating the most recent issue of uh, our magazine, New Visionary. It was, it's always a pleasure to partner up with you. And I just so appreciate your kind words. Um, and I think you're right. Like, we need more art platforms. We need more opportunities for artists. And I'm super excited to see what the future holds as well. So yes, yes, absolutely. thank you so much again, Sergio. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And we'll see you next time. All right. Thank you so much. Bye, Victoria. Thank you for tuning in and supporting our platform. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to leave a review on iTunes or tag us on Instagram. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.